Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 482 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts, or is it the Santa Slay of comic book podcasts? I'm confused. Well, anyway, I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm ready. It's the holidays. I left the door open on the office, but luckily everyone's asleep as we're recording early. Mm-hmm. It's been a crazy podcast day for me. I assumed. I'm just so used to everyone slacking off with their podcasts. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting like a hundred podcasts to be dumped on Monday, so that's why this is coming out on Tuesday. So you could listen to this with the family as you're on your way to Christmas dinner, picking up all the chicken planks and crumblies <laughs> that your heart can take. Chicken, yeah. fish, you heathen. <laughs> By the way, I'm worried about my hot takes on this show because I'm all nogged up, Joe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's not expired nog, then I think we're okay. Oh, there's the lumps are the best at expired yeah. nog. Chewing your nog is fantastic. But uh, would you like to know what's on this holiday spectacular of an episode, Joe? I would love to. Um, another light news week, shocking as we go into the holiday season, but we do have a few, um, an omnibus that got burned because of coloring, but it might not be what you think. And also pulping of comics and why, um, we also have no con news because the holidays free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was, I can't believe it. Doomsday clock number 12. Also, King Thor, number four, and Suicide Squad, number one. What we're looking forward to this week will be after that. And then we will be breaking news of what the new uh, Patreon will be uh, with the main show. Also, uh, Todd's Art Attack is back. And we also have the list of the top uh, 50, we're 11 to 20, of the f- best first issues ever, which may have the most egregious mistake on it, but we will get to that uh, sh- when we get to it. Also, we have the present exchange, Joe. I can't wait to see what you got me because you always do great stuff, and I give great presents. And at the end of the show, we're going to have spoiler-filled talk of the penultimate episode of The Mandalorian and the movie Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. It is a full plate, Joe, of Christmas fish. Let's get into it. You guys just get the fish with the fish map. No chicken. No, you don't know chicken. There's a whole thing where I don't think you're supposed to. It's a religious thing. I don't think we're supposed to eat meat on the, uh, like, because fish doesn't count on the the the. the the Christmas Eve, it's called the Vallea dinner or something like that. I don't know. My grandmother's passed away, so all the religious stuff is going right over my head. Next time I talk to the Padre, I'll ask him if it's okay for you to get the three for a dollar chicken planks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, news this week. So, uh, we'll get into it a little bit when we get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Whereas this past week was a mega, crazy, giant week. This week is a tiny little itty baby week, Mm -hmm. but far be it from Marvel not to use this to have like the only Marvel book coming out being the launching point for what's supposed to be their big crossover 2020 incoming. You've got Al Ewing writing it. We talked about last week. What's it? 
uh, going to be called like Empire or something. Right. We spelled weirdly. Right. It's a big $10 book. It's got all these sort of variant covers. But there's a bit of a problem with the book, Todd. What is it? So apparently a bunch of the books had to be destroyed due to a manufacturing defect. Mm. Apparently due to the size of the book, one of the short print variant covers on it mm-hmm. were affected at many distributors where it just like tore, like the cover ripped. Well, brittle staples? I don't know what caused this, but to... And in the interest of fairness, we always like to critique DC when they do foul-ups like this, where, like, mm-hmm. things are printed out of order, or, you know, at least those are just in omnibuses, which is a very small niche market. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is the only book that Marvel is selling to close out, well, like, their big book, that they're selling to close out 2019 to lead in their big event for 2020, and it, and it's a $10 book. And it's just like, yeah, we've got to scrap a bunch of them because somebody messed up at the printer. Right. But they'll have other copies, right? From what this means. Right. I think it's just certain covers mm-hmm. are like completely done. Uh, they show like this one white, like kind of like a white background variant. Right. It's tough to keep track of what all the variants on different things are. Oh, don't get me started. I found out how many variants there are in Thor in two weeks. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. No, I look at I look at the pictures, um, just to see. Uh, so it looks as though if you were one of the stores that ordered into like the hundreds and five hundreds to get like certain variant covers, mm-hmm. you have a much higher chance of getting damaged stock. No, I don't think that would count for our store then. Right. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see. What gets slipped through, how damaged, what stores get the damaged ones, who complains, who doesn't. Mm-hmm. This is one I didn't even look at the covers on. I'm just like, oh, I'll, I'll grab what I grab. You know? Exactly. I mean, for the most part, I I like just the regular cover A's. I will always call them that. That's what I go for um, on anything. But, uh, I mean, whatever, if, if they have these and I have to, like, do a weird cover, I guess, you know, for the good of the show, I'll get... Uh, I'll get whatever cover I can get my greasy little hands on. Right. So as we're talking about Marvel and as we're talking about printing issues, apparently there was a John Byrne She-Hulk omnibus that was getting ready to come out next year. Mm-hmm. And I say next year, I mean like April 2020. And as Marvel is wont to do with a lot of stuff that gets reprinted is they recolor stuff. And there's certain stuff that looks okay when you recolor it. And there's certain stuff that looks really bad when you recolor it. Mm-hmm. Sensational She-Hulk was one of the books that looked really bad when they recolored it. Well, it all depends on how you recolor it. I think you can recolor it good, but sometimes, you know, this was a bad job, if you will. Right. So apparently there's going to be a different cover. And it's not even like the whole book. I guess it's just the cover that's going to be mm-hmm. weirdly recolored. Mm-hmm. But Marvel wouldn't even have done this if people didn't complain online. So this is one of the few instances where complaining online did some good. And wasn't some of it actually John Byrne not being happy with it? Yes. So, like, you know, he's, like, 
the I, I don't you know maybe they want because they want to work with them again. You never know. It's like how hard is it to to go back to the original JPEG and just you know slip that into the printer file? So this isn't a major like we're gonna lose money on all this. All you have to do is just swap out what the what you know whatever file format you have and it's good to go. So this seems like like an easy problem it's not like you know the past omnibuses at dc where they had pages out of order down the line this is catching it early and getting it out of the way right but uh yeah you know um i don't you know there's certain books from that era that just look weird when they're not colored the original way or they're not on newsprint yes that's a big one yeah and i know when you go to the omnibus you're on shiny paper Mm-hmm. And it's a different it's a different sized format, so there's a lot that changes with it. But you know that's why there's a lot of books. I'm very happy that I still have my old floppies. You know, ah, who's doesn't love a good floppy? Mm-hmm. So again, it's a light news section. Not too much to talk about. Just a lot of Marvel printing errors. <laughs> you know, not to say I'm not going to say the check didn't clear this week, but you know, I DC gets. Do- DC gets a pass. Right. I was going to do that joke, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to change my ways before the new year starts and not do terrible jokes, Joe. Mm. You, well, that's the thing. I'm the, well, (laughs) I'm the only one who thinks they're terrible. You, you think they're good. Wow. And I do have the text to prove that occasionally they're good. Mm -hmm. I'd like to report those people that are texting (laughs) you saying they're good. I don't know to who, but I'm going to report them to someone. Well, I, even I, even the enabler needs enabling. Yep, yep. So, again, light news, no conventions. Uh, but you can always check out soontobenamednetwork.com for more shows like this. You know, Longbox Heroes or Longbox Heroes After Dark. Or friends and families and comrades in arms who put out such shows as Puzzle Warriors 3, talking about the latest and greatest changes in the world of Marvel Puzzle Quest. Uh, Even though he no longer plays the game, and Fresher and Parlance, I think, is a distant memory. (laughs) Uh, Whenever uh, Pete, you know, Parlance would do his plugs, he would always say, if you enjoy popping bubbles, then you'll love Marvel (laughs) Puzzle Quest. And the first couple times, I'd be like, you know, busting his chops, like, they're not bubbles, they're gems, and you're not popping them, you're all, you know, so, and and while you were doing that, were you pushing your glasses up by the bridge of your nose as you I said was. it? Okay, I was. good. Even though I haven't lived there in 15 years, I did go take my entire computer to my parents' basement <laughs> to write that reply there. Uh, so because of Pete, I always call Marvel Puzzle Quest a game of popping bubbles. Right. Uh, profane arguments, uh, final wrestling place. Uh, Wednesday Night Wars, and of course, At Odds with Wrestling. All of these shows, anytime they come out, or anytime any of the folks on these shows appear on other shows, and I see it, or they remind me, or both, it all exists over at soontobenamednetwork.com, soontobenamednetwork.tumblr.com. Long since passed from the network, uh, Podvocacy, Wrestling on the Edge of Forever, or Wrestling on the Edge of Tomorrow, and Everlasting Minute, David Kincannon still helps us out with a lot of editing, uh, audio stuff. Jason Kirk has completely ran away from all of internet and social media, but I am giving away his email address <laughs> one character at a time every week on the show. The next character is a one. The next character oh. is a one, the email address. Until he returns to social media. Yes. 
Uh, digital sales and freebies this week. There's a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of stuff. More than there was before Christmas. There's a ton after Christmas, as we see here. Uh, Dark Horse is having a sale on their Fight Club and Black Hammer related stuff. I think I have the Fight Club one on there twice. I'm not sure why, but I got to fix that. Uh, Boom, Image, Dynamite, Valiant are all having complete line-wide sales. Uh, DC is still having that same holiday sale that was going on from last week. Something, something, Dark Knight Returns. Something, something, Batman Year One. (laughs) Uh, Marvel is having three different sales going on. A complete Star Wars sale. Something they're calling the Epic Collection Sale. And something called the Celebrate 2019 Sale. Even though there's a lot of stuff that came out prior to 2019. I think across those three sales, you could get cut rate prices on pretty much anything that Marvel publishes or has published. Of course, as we are wont to do and recommend on this show, I'm almost certain that you can get the trades of Immortal Hulk super duper cheap. Uh, I think they have like kind of like a bigger collection here, if I'm not mistaken. Um, It's a little it's bigger than the normal trade that they sell Uh, the normal trade. And it's, it's so this is where we run into confusion with things over at Marvel, right? Mm hmm. So Immortal Hulk's a great book, and they've put the the trades and everything on sale. So there is one trade that's called Immortal Hulk Volume 1, or is he both? Question mark. Uh, where it includes, it's issues 1 through 5, and it includes material from that Avengers 684. Okay? Okay. That's 9 bucks. It's been on sale a bunch of times. Currently, as part of the sale, you can get Immortal Hulk Volume 1, no fancy subtitle, which is issues 1 through 10 of Immortal Hulk, plus some of the material from uh, Avengers 684, for $6. So you get double the issues for $3 less. I don't know. I think it's a trap. I think it's a trap as well. (laughs) So, you know, there's a ton of other stuff, and all the links to these will be in the show notes, of course. Uh, As I try to keep track of and let you, the listener, know, uh, free comics are back. Marvel has rotated them out after just having some new ones in there for two weeks. And these ones are thematic, Todd. It's a bunch of holiday specials. Oh, good for them. It's the Marvel Holiday Special 2009. It's the Marvel Holiday Special 2011. The Merry X-Men Holiday Special. <laughs> and the Gwenpool Holiday Special Merry Mix-Up. So if you're in the mood for some holiday-themed books, by all means... You could check those ones out for free, and the links of those will be in the show notes if you don't want to tool around and try to find things over on the uh, Comixology website. I have all of those. I know you find it hard to believe. And I was also trying to convince at one point our local retailer to organize his comics in Christmas comics and not Christmas comics. That's it. That's the way. Holiday comics and non-holiday comics. I don't care how, what order you put your non-holiday comics in, but, you know, just just give me that. And he, he didn't go for it. I was shocked. Gotcha. Oh, boy. So, let's get into what we read from this past week, sir. I think we should start with The Elephant in the Room, uh, Doomsday Clock number 12, written by Jeff Johns and completely drawn by Gary Frank. Um, the ending of the saga that began, oh, what, 
several decades ago or two years. I'm not sure. I get confused. I'm like I'm like Dr. Manhattan. I see all time as the same anymore when it comes to this comic. But uh, basically, it's the showdown between Dr. Manhattan and Superman that we've been building up to for 11 issues and the outcome and how um, the multiverse, metaverse, whatever you want to call it, uh, is going to be in play because of the ramifications of this issues. And that was a very easy way to like, you know, run down this comic really quick, um, which I thought it would be a lot harder, but, um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more if it hadn't been three months since the last comic and then months and months before that it got delayed and, and think so I was very confused. But in the end, basically what it comes down to for me is Jeff Johns nails how much how important Superman is to the DC universe. And he, he plants his flag on that idea and basically says Superman will always has always been and always will be the backbone of what DC comics universe is. And I think he, he did a, a, a good job on it, but being, you know, worn out from waiting for this book, it, I don't think it, it's go It's, it's going to pack the punch unless maybe, because now they'll trade it hardcover it all in one and you can sit down and read it all all as one but for me it fell a little flat just because of that i don't know how you took doomsday clock number 12 so it was good mhm short answer and i could just close it there okay but i got thoughts <laughs> fair enough i just i but that's the way i felt but go ahead so less that it took forever to come out and it took two years and three weeks to come out for a 12 issue maxi series. Right. Right. And if it was three weeks earlier, I, you'd oh, be paying boy. for dinner. Anyway, so go close, ahead. Todd. Mm-hmm. So, and yes, I get you that the story is how important Superman is to all of DC comics, whether mm-hmm. it be in continuity or out of continuity. But the biggest thing is, and we might get into a little bit of this with some other discussions that we're going to have a little bit later on in the show about other things, this does not stand on its own as easily as, say, Watchmen itself did, right? Right. Because you could read Watchmen, those 12 issues, and never read another comic book again, and you got a full story. That everything that you needed to know was given to you in those 12 issues. hmm Even maybe too much information is given to you in those 12 issues, you know what I mean? Right. But if you don't have an intimate knowledge... Of Superman, Batman, Lex Luthor, Lois Lane, their interrelationships, plus Watchmen itself, plus all the stuff that they've tried to do with Watchmen before. I guess plus the button stuff that they did as well. Mm -hmm. This could be a difficult book for you to, to penetrate. Where at the end of the day, the story is Superman's very important. And I think we as a comic book reader knew that the end of this storyline was going to be about the importance of Superman and a lot of the returns of some of the older ways and older things and older storylines that have gone away since as late as 1986 and as early as 2011. Mm -hmm. So... I think because we knew the ending going into this, it didn't have the same emotional punch that I, that Jeff Johns was trying to go for, for this. And I, I, I agree with everything you say. And then it's a high bar 
to, you know, they luckily they didn't call it Watchmen 2. You know what I mean? Like, because that's even a bigger bar to cross over. But you're you're trying to be a sequel to maybe, you know, whether people disagree or agree, but a lot of people do one of the, the, maybe the greatest comic book ever written. So, like, that's a high hurdle to make. But I'm with you, I guess, you know, and also because the original one was 12 issues, did you need 12 issues? I don't think so. I I don't. But because that's what it was, that's what we're going to do. And it just seems like, you know, copy an A, get a get a B minus. You know what I mean? Like, that's what. You copied an A, Todd, but you turned your work in late. So I got to take some points off. Well, that is true. Well, (laughs) you know. Well, you know, there was a death in my family. Robin got beat up by a crowbar. Oh, my goodness. But so I just look at it as that. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot going against this. I don't know. It's okay. I think maybe this is going to sell in trade for yes. the rest of time. So haha on me because Jeff Johns and Gary Frank and DC get to sleep on their big pile of money. You know what I mean? So right. So and they and ultimately they uh DC, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, whomever else don't care that this is going to be a gift that people are given. Well, I know you like Watchmen, so here's this thing. Mm-hmm. That there's going to be a th- a book that sits on a lot of people's shelves for a very long time. They're going to be purchased. Mm-hmm. People are going to buy them. People are going to get it. People are going to get it as gifts. Mm-hmm. This is going to be printed in multiple formats, multiple times. But I don't see this as something that I'm going to revisit, or many people are going to be revisiting. Whether it's today or 20 years ago or, you know, 30 years ago or however long ago it was when Watchmen came out. You know, I remember there was a time in the late 90s, early 2000s where I read Watchmen like once or twice a year. I read Watchmen. That reminds me. I have to read it now. I I used to read Watchmen every Christmas. It's like during my downtime at the holidays. Sure. But, but, But what you're saying, and I agree with. But that don't stop them from making the Dark Knight Returns returns. That doesn't stop them from making before Watchmen. Because they know that everybody who has Watchmen or Dark Knight Returns in their collection is going to... Not everybody, but a good chunk is going to want these sequels and prequels. And, and you know, not everything is Sandman Overture. Um, but, like, I, I get it. I'm with you. Like, this is not going to have the effect... The, the legacy that Watchmen is going to have. But what is? You know, like, right. what will? And that's, I don't think DC's in a mindset to be doing that. I think the closest they came was Mr. Miracle, you know, but of creating a legacy book that will be remembered and revered for ages to come. Uh, Recently, you mean, I guess? I'll say recently is within the last 10 years. Okay, I'm trying to think of what would be maybe a legacy book Mm -hmm. in there, you know what I mean? Like... So what's 10 years ago? 2009? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'd have to think. Like, I'm trying to think of something. Was there Was there a Vertigo product? Like, at well, the end no, of no, that? No, no, not Vertigo. Vert- no, DC. Fair enough. Fair enough. DC. You know? Um, and, and a lot of it, I think, DC is doing reactionary stuff to what Marvel does. It's like Marvel sees success with Tom King doing the Vision book. So, like, we need him to do our version of that. You know, the day will come in the near future, you know, where DC is going to try to wrest Al Ewing away from Marvel 
to get him to do his immortal Hulk over at DC. Okay. Now, do you what do you count by a legacy book? Something that will sell? Yes, perpetually, uh, okay, so, or something that is equated to the to the height that the Watchmen story is. I would prefer it to be in the height of the quality of a Watchmen, but a book that I would put on that list begrudgingly is Civil War. Fair Civil enough. War is not a book that I enjoyed or would go back and revisit or any of those things, but it's going to sell forever. Right, but uh, you you know what I look at is one of them maybe is um, Blackest Night was 2009-2010. Okay. I mean, that's something that has legs that like people come in the shop and still buy. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to equate it to the the story of Watchmen, you know? Would you, would you say Infinite Crisis is in there as well? Or Identity Crisis? Identity Crisis. Mm, ooh, no. Okay. Because I look at it as something that... Uh, I'm trying to think, like... Uh, what? When was Hush? Hush was two thousand one, two thousand two. All right. Wow, man, my brain is like right. years off. I only um, know that because I have a Batman poster with that art style on my wall in my office. Mm, gotcha. Uh, see, I don't know because like I don't have a list of like the last, the great last ten years. But I, there's got to be something in there mm-hmm. that that that's that would sell perpetually. Um, but you know, not not Watchmen. Sorry, right. just... So D- DC's biggest problem is that it rests on its laurels and its classics, like what mm-hmm. they've done over the last thirty plus years, as opposed to creating newer stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just typed into the old Amazon here the bestsellers for DC, right? Mm-hmm. And of course Watchmen is like three of the first six. Um nothing else would surprise you, but everything else is from the eighties or nineties. So we get some newer stuff with like Batman the Long Halloween. Okay. Okay. Uh Flashpoint? No. Right, but I think that's more name value than anything else. Right, but I think that's even looked at like like even at Jeff Johns quality, that's looked on as like his weakest property. Okay. At DC. Uh, you got the, um, Grant Morrison, uh, all new, uh, all new Superman or all-star Superman. All right. Fair. That's a, that's an evergreen book. Right. That's an evergreen book. Um, but I'm just looking at like bestsellers and most of the stuff is old stuff or right. stuff that you're going to say. It's like, no, which, and I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, like the injustice stuff, say what you will about it. You know, it's on their top seller lists. Right. I think what? yes, Mister Miracle is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that and maybe to a lesser extent, uh, Snyder's Black Mirror. Okay, that's the and that to me is one of them that someday may get to that. Like when people notice it, because everybody is big on Snyder as what he is now, all joking aside, and I say it every time, and he does it in every press release when he's going on to the next, the bigger thing, the next bigger thing, where Black Mirror, to me, is the perfect Batman story. You know, like, not the best, but, like, a perfect Batman story, where it's very simple. It's like a de- detective, blah, blah, blah. And that's, you know, I think one of them that could pop up. I look at it as something that's that if they make it, if it's been out in the last 10 years and they put it in absolute, all joking aside, that's one of their, you know, 
they're 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 gold standard books. Okay. Yes. So, but I think Marvel, you know, and as much as we goof on Marvel when they do like these things of like, you know, uh, g- g- latest and greatest, it's like, oh, you're really scraping the bottle bottom of the barrel here mm-hmm. with latest and greatest. But like DC hasn't had that, you know, really big mega hit since like the nineties. Right. That's all. Okay. I just don't think this is going to be one of them. Oh no, no, no. I, I, you know what though? I, we're, we're, we're two guys who are getting older. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You know what I mean? Like this is one that maybe will be around. Cause I do know one of the strange things is even whenever a new issue would come out, Joe, when, even as late as it was that early doomsday clocks would get a new printing. Cause they still sold. Yep. Like it was crazy. Like I don't know if you were there when when we were talking about the doomsday clock numbers at the shop. Like it's ridiculous. Like what they put out. So I don't know. Maybe maybe this has legs, and this is the one we just don't get. Right. Now I think the one that does have legs, and the ones that we do get is King Thor number four, written mm-hmm. by Jason Aaron, with art by Isad Ribic, and many 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 others. Mm-hmm. The end of Jason Aaron's seven-plus-year, 100-plus-issue run on Thor. So, the actual battle with Gore itself was to be expected. Mm -hmm. The resolution of what All-Father Thor does with the granddaughters was unique but not surprising. But the thing that Marvel does and a lot of other comics do, but the thing that I enjoyed here was all those different teases of all those other future Thor stories that we could get at some point in time. Right. I'm I'm a sucker for that sort of thing. It's not so much as a what if, maybe it is a what if, but it's more so of like a writer has a pitch for some sort of thing on a character and maybe it doesn't get picked up and maybe it does. But this is their one to four page pitch for that character or this take on a character. And this was Jason Aaron getting all of those out of his system as he leaves the book. (laughs) And I would say he leaves Thor better than he came into it. Um, I would disagree on that. Oh, 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 you mean better, better stories? No, no. He leaves. uh, He he's put his stamp on Thor. He's up there with Walt Simonson. I miss misunderstood what you saying in between in between Walt Simonson's run and Jason Aaron's run what was the other good Thor run now in my mind Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go in everybody's mind there was a Dan Jurgens run in there that was really good that people Mm -hmm. that people forget and then even though it trailed off it trailed off because he left as he does everything Straczynski's run was really good and there's your there's your Thor run were they better than the Jason Aaron run? No. Right. So they were good. And I'm not going to decry either one of those creators by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't. Thor was not a top tier character. And yes, Jason Aaron had the luxury of coming in as they were starting to build the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And there was a need for new Thor stories to be on the shelves. And. Here we are, 
and it just so happens that the Thor stories are good and compelling and for the most part self-contained outside of maybe one or two crossovers in the seven years. Mm-hmm. This stuck to itself. And I, I only hope that Marvel treats this run with the respect that it deserves. Oh, it will. I think it will because there are other runs, you know, that they they do. Like, do you, what's the respect? Keep it in trade constantly. Yes, and um, promote it. Right. And herald it as a modern classic or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, however you want to do that. Like, whatever they do for like the the uh, Bendis Avengers stuff, mm-hmm. which you know varies in quality. Right. But Bendis is a big enough name. Avengers is a big enough property that it could get by on two of those three things, where it's a big name on a big property and so-so stories, where this is a big name on a big property with great stories. Right. And I I agree with you on everything that you said, except for that you were, I think it was just because Thor was never an A-lister for us, but like a Thor will always be looked, you know, positively on because of that Walt Simonson run. So I just think he had a dip in popularity, yeah. but he was still an A, you know, an A creator because, you know, especially at Marvel for years, it was all, well, let's, let's just do Wolverine and Deadpool and everything. You know what I mean? And lucky enough, like you said, I do agree on the part, you know, the Avengers and we need to, to, to do books. And Jason got, Jason Aaron got lucky enough to, to come out strong with uh, the God of Thunder, which to me is of everything he did, God of Thunder for those 24, 25 issues is my favorite Thor run ever. And, you know, in the strength of that, they let him run and do what he wanted, which is great because I believe that was the blueprint they used with Immortal Hulk early on. Like, they're like, hey, Immortal Hulk's doing... It's like, it's kind of like what we had with God of Thunder. Don't mess with it too much. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's... And when you start winning awards and stuff like that, that's when you have the clout. You you know, you could swing your hammer and say, you know, leave me alone. With Marvel, which is way different to me as we talk with DC. Like, not so much anymore now that Warner Brothers is bigger and they're involved. But like there was a time where I always felt DC would give books a chance and Marvel wouldn't. And Marvel now, it seems like the past couple of years, not every book, but if you got a really good book, they'll be like, let it, let, let it ride. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm good with that. But it's tough to rate this singly as a, as a solo issue, but we had to talk about it because it's the end of a run of a book that we've talked about quite a bit during the course of, the 480-some-odd episodes of this show. Right, I agree. I mean, the closing out on an era. It's not uh-huh. just the end of a... It's an end of an era in comics. A comic book, like this book and, you know, a company, so... Yes. And this is going to be one of those things where I know very little about what's going to happen to the Donny Cates run of the book. His Thor in the promotional materials that we saw look very different than any Thor that we've seen in quite some time. Mm-hmm. But Jason Aaron made me a Thor fan. Marvel made me a Donny Cates fan over the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. I don't need to read what the solicitations of the book is. I'm definitely going to give it a try. And it's probably going to get more than its typical one issues if that first issue isn't a killer. But I, I have faith that the first issue will probably be pretty good. You know what? You've said everything. I have nothing to add there. I agree on everything. Okay. So. so, you know, we talked before about that Marvel sale that's going on. 
if you never read Jason Aaron's Thor stuff and, you know, or maybe you did and you need to get something for someone, you know, Thor's popular, right? He's in like a movie or something <laughs> or two. Yep. You want to read some cool, fun comics, varied comics, a lot of different things. Uh, like I said, I I don't want this to feel like it's overhyped because it's not. And I don't want this to feel like it's hyperbole because it's definitely not. I truly believe that Jason Aaron wrote one of the best comic books, the best runs of a comic book in recent times. Fair enough. Me too. Yeah. And last but not least in what we read from this past week is Suicide Squad number one, written by Tom Taylor, with art by Bruno Redondo, mm-hmm. uh, even though Ivan Hayes did the uh, cover on this one. Right. One of the two covers. Mm-hmm. So, hey, it's Suicide Squad. You know Suicide Squad. Uh, yes. Hey, you know uh, Harley Quinn. She's in every third book that Batman's not in. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, there's word balloons and people talking on the cover. I'm sold already. Todd, what did you think of this? Um, as a Suicide Squad fan, and I've tried every iteration and followed through to the end on most of them, except for one, maybe two. Um, I loved this book. I'm a big Tom Taylor fan from the little few things that I saw, so I was looking forward to it. Um, this has the Suicide Squad feel. Uh, somebody shows up with Amanda Waller, and you know that we have the worst Suicide Squad that we've ever seen, according to some members, and they have to go after this terrorist group who are trying to stop, like, do a good thing, but go a, about like a way, like we're gonna stop you know, bombs and we're going to take them away, but like they end up hurting people to do it. So the suicide squad goes after them and there's a, you know, a status quo change when it comes to the wall, AKA Amanda Waller. Um, there's a lot of quips in this book, like just fun dialogue to me. This is like the, you know, uh, the, the macho book that I want, uh, just people, criminals who have to, to take time off their sentence, you know, do government jobs. And this book to me, nails it i had a blast reading this i thought the art was was fantastic um i'm really looking forward to more suicide squad by tom taylor so this is the first time in a long time that i've read a suicide squad book where that i i wasn't constantly reminded secret six is better than this Mm -hmm. because secret six is better than a lot of comic books todd we were talking before about DC comics mm-hmm. that are classics in modern day that don't that sell in perpetuity. Secret Six is one of those books that should sell forever, forever, forever. <laughs> oh, God, but because of how much we both love that book, uh, you being a much more Suicide Squad fan than I, whenever I would try a new Suicide Squad project, I would always read it and say, eh, "This is done better in Secret Six. Mm-hmm. And it would always, like, take me out of the book. But it's been so long since I've tried a Suicide Squad. It's been so long since Secret Six has been out. And I made a p- promise to you many moons ago that whatever the next big tentpole book that Tom Taylor gets announced on, since you had loved uh, his stuff that he was doing over on Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Is that correct? Right. And some of the stuff that he was doing, like he'd get a Batman annual when Tom King couldn't do it right. and stuff like that. Those were like all the stuff that was making me like him even more. So I read not, this was one of those things where it's like Tom Taylor's on a big marquee book. Suicide Squad is a major DC property. It even had a movie named after it. 
I see Harley Quinn's in the cover. I don't need to read anymore. I'll know what this book's about exactly. Mm-hmm. And this book surprised me several times. And yes, Suicide Squad is set up, and they even tell you in the book that half the squad that's on the cover is going to die uh, by the end of the first issue. But as the first issue starts, we're introduced to a bunch of brand new characters. Mm-hmm. Now, Todd, you might know better than I do. Are these all new characters created for this? Or do you, or I think they are. I don't think they've appeared anywhere else before. Uh, now, I'm going by my knowledge. I have ne- never seen – the team that they're going after are all new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, everybody here is – uh, around, I know the, the the Cavalier, like uh, Magpie. The only one that I'm not sure on uh, of the regular Suicide Squad team on the cover is Zebra. He might be a new character. Well, but, no, no, I mean, right, I mean the team that they're going after is wholly new from whole cloth, right? Right. Well, I was just saying too. Also, yes, the whole cl- the whole new team that I know of, unless there's one or two like quirky characters that have been created I've never seen like in the past, but they look like all new characters to me. And I'm just saying of this Suicide Squad, the the Zebra. So. But I know what you're asking, sorry. Right, so we get a ton of new characters introduced. We get a new status quo, because as Todd mentioned, every Suicide Squad is more or less the same. But we're introduced to a new character in charge. So there's a lot of new things, a lot of surprises, a lot of twists that I was not prepared for this book to take, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Under normal circumstances, in a different day, at a different time, this could possibly be a great number one. Right. I, I I agree with you. And my question is, though, like, I'm guessing by everything that you've said, you're going to stay on this book? Yep. Or was this, okay. This or I was stays just on the like, list. All right, definitely. It's on my end, too, obviously. So. Yes. So that's what we've read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, Every, normally Tuesday, this week Monday, 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you got your books before warned and before armed, know what's coming out this week. This is the final week. No, we got one more week after this. Uh, Yeah, because it's New Year's Eve. All right. We got one more week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is still in the lead with nine correct guesses over me. I don't think I'm going to catch up to him, but I'm not going to go down uh, swinging. So, Todd, go ahead, look at my list, and you tell me. Is it Criminal number 11? Criminal number 11 is exactly what I'm looking forward to coming out this week, yes. Mm-hmm. How about you? Uh, I would say guess. that Criminal number 11 is also what you're most looking forward to coming mm-hmm. out this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I have interest in incoming but criminal is criminally underrated. So oh, yucky, I, yucka. Yucky, yucka. It's not New Year's Eve yet, so I still have a few bad ones in, in the chamber, Joe. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's why I'm looking forward to criminal. Right. So uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the stuff that we've done in the past, Todd and I together, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, the 2017 smash sensation Todd and Joe have issues. You can also check out our store where you can purchase shirts or pins or stickers with our fancy logo on them. Or you can go to our Tee Public store and buy even more shirts, even more products, even more things that have spun out of this show. Whether it be soon-to-be-named network stuff, add-outs with wrestling stuff, 
fish math, when did blank become a business shirt, all of these things you can purchase over at our Tee Public store. Another way that you can help us out, especially in 2020, is our soon-to-be newly revamped Patreon. I'm going to make sure that this goes live for January 1st. So we talked a little bit about it on After Dark last week. Now here on the main show, we're going to get the main full Megillah for it. So uh, I was always trying to work on something more to give to the dollar folks. And if I give more to the dollar folks, I have to give more to the $5 folks. So Todd and I worked on this for months and months and months, back and forth, talking about things and what we are going to do. So uh, in 2020, if you pay us no money through Patreon, you are still going to get 52 episodes of this show. You're still going to get 52 episodes of After Dark. That will not change. If you give us no money, you just continue your support, listen to the show, tell friends, whatever you do, you're still going to get those shows. If you pledge us a dollar or if you up to $5, a dollar up to $4.99, okay? You're going to get two bonus shows a month. Those two bonus shows a month are going to be what is replacing Al's Gals in 2020, which is what is currently called Babbling Brooks, where Todd and I are going to go through the film ouvure of the great auteur Mel Brooks himself. <laughs> mm -hmm. The other bonus show that you're going to get is something called Previewing the Past. Now, we're going to go a little bit more into depth on how we got here on a bonus show that's going to come out before year's end. It's going to go up on all the feeds, whether it be the main show here, After Dark feed, or the Patreon feed, kind of explaining how we came to this. But Todd and I, over the last several months, have come into possession of a back catalog of previews catalogs dating back to 1989. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is every month there's going to be a new episode that comes out that is 30 years ago to the day of that month's previews. Yeah. We're going to go through the pages. Todd and I are going to look at the books, react, comment, etc., talk about what was going on in the comic business 30 years ago that month. Mm -hmm. The preview episode that we're going to be doing is 30 years ago this month because we have December 1989's previews catalog as well. Yay! It's going to be more or less of a journey through comics, through previews of the bubble getting ready to burst. Mm -hmm. And you're going to come along for the ride with us. We're going to have scans of the issues of previews up on the Patreon. Like I said, that's what you get if you pledge a dollar to $4.99. If you pledge $5 or more, you're still going to get After Dark early. After Dark is still going to come out on Fridays, but if you're a $5 and up person, you're going to get After Dark before everybody else. Typically Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. You're also going to get those same two bonus shows that I mentioned, the Babbling Brook, Mel Brooks show, and the previewing of the past, going through the preview catalogs 30 years ago that month. But you're going to get them two weeks before everybody else. Right. You're still going to get two, two of the bonus shows a month, whether you're pledging a dollar or $5 or all points in between. It's just that the $5 people are going to get them two weeks before the dollar and up people. Right. And, of course, the other two things that we're adding on to there are one-time, one-hitter goals <laughs> at 40 bucks each. Uh, we've discussed before both on the main show here and over on After Dark. If you're not aware of a thing called Cameo, Cameo is a thing where celebrities will give you the option to contact them and they'll record something, a message for you. 
and the prices on those range from reasonable to crazy. And what we're going to have on the Patreon is two one-time goals where it's just the cost of the Patreon, uh, where you pay, and it just so happens that the two people that we're looking at are both $40, where for you pay the $40, and again, you know, if you're an existing Patreon, that's going to count, you know, you don't have to pay $40 a month, or if you're a Patreon at the $1 or the $5 level, whatever it is, it's not like you got to pay the $40 plus whatever it is. You pay the 40 bucks, and you will use that money to get a cameo from your choice of either Raven, a.k.a. Sad Scotty Flamingo, <laughs> mm-hmm. or the Rob, Rob Liefeld himself. And the verbiage that we're going to give him would be something to be an introduction for this show or After Dark or one of the Patreon bonus shows. And then since you're the one paying for it, if you want to throw a little extra you know, salt and pepper in there, mention your name, whatever it is, we're going to do that. And that's not a thing where it's like, oh, we're upcharging it like 40 bucks so we get a couple bucks in the back end. No. Both the Rob and both Raven are 40 bucks on, on Cameo, so that's what we're hitting on the Patreon is a one-time hit. That's right. Every cent goes to the Rob and Sad Scotty Flamingo on those two. Now, I will also say this. Uh, as I have learned from other people, when you pay someone on Cameo to do something, they do have a right of refusal. So if you pay your $40... And we present the verbiage to either the Rob or Raven, and they refuse it, we will refund you your money. Yes, there's no, like, we're going to keep it if this does not work out. Right. And again, if they say, I don't like this or I don't like that, we're going to work with you, the person who paid the money, to uh, work on whatever it is that uh, the Rob or Raven says. And we all... Right, and we also reserve the right to reject anything that we know is going to get, you know, a, a no response right out of the gate. Right, you know I mean? right. You can't go in there and say, I'm Derpy Rob, and I don't like feet, burr, burr, mm-hmm. burr. We're like, okay, we know right. that's not going to fly. Let's work on something. Right. You know? I think both the Rob and Raven are a little bit more quick on the uptake that we wouldn't be able to slip something by them, you know? Right, Yes. So all of this is going to go live on the Patreon starting January 1st, 2020. Uh, as I mentioned, we hope to have that December 1989 previewing the past up before the end of the year as well, so that you get a feel, an idea for what that show is going to be. Mm-hmm. Then we may ask for some help when it comes to the previewing <laughs> the past. Right, but we'll talk about that when we get to that. Right, when we that bridge is, you know, when we come to it. Yep. Now, another way that you can support us as well is making any of your purchases through the Amazon click-through. Christmas has passed as you're probably listening to this. There's no time to get something under the tree for Santa by now, but you can purchase things all year round, like the people who purchased some of the notable items here from the Amazon click-through this week. Somebody purchased issue three of the Black Circle DC book, Arlene, issue three. Uh, Somebody also purchased Doctor Strange Epic Collection, Master of the Mystic Arts. Uh, Somebody also purchased something called the Raven's Burger. And again, I don't know if that's a reference to our Patreon uh, (laughs) cameo thing. Uh, But it's a Gravitrax Starter Marble Run set. Have you seen these videos of people who do these elaborate marble things? No, I haven't, actually. Yeah, it's very soothing to see them. The domino ones and the marble ones are very soothing. Do they ever cross over and do a domino marble one? They do. Oh, good. 
Uh, people also purchased both Ultra 7, the complete series, and Ultraman Orb, complete series and movie. A lot of Ultraman stuff has been being purchased through the click-through of late. Interesting. So we have an Ultraman fan listening to the show. Blessed, blessed. <laughs> uh, somebody also purchased, and I'm assuming it was the same person, from the Black series of Star Wars figures, both Sabine Wren and a toy of the child. You mean Baby Yoda? The child. Ah. And hey, Todd, do you know who Sabine Wren is without looking it up? Uh, is that the uh, Ren, Ren uh, Kylo Ren before he became Kylo Ren? He was Sunbeam Ren or something? No. No? That was the lady bounty hunter who helped um, Poe Dameron in uh, Rise of the Skywalker. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. We're almost there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but near and dear to my heart, somebody purchased a $25 gift card for Amazon or uh, Texas Roadhouse. Somebody also purchased a $25 Amazon gift card. And if you're doing the double dip, that's the best where you buy the, <laughs> buy the gift card through our click through. And then you buy something for yourself with that gift card. Everybody wins. We win twice. That's right. The double dip opportunity. We love it. That's right. So Todd, did we have anything in the art attack this week? Yes, we did. We had a double feast of heart, atta- uh, heart attacks, art attacks. Oh my um, goodness. From Fred Chamberlain, um, this holiday gift is one of the prelims that Jose Luis Garcia Lopez did for a variant cover to the upcoming Flash 80th anniversary comic. While editors went with one of the other options, this was Jose's favorite of the pick. Um, so I guess this is the where they uh, did the, the legacy numbering. So when they come to that 80th, I think it's 750 or whatever. I'm guessing that's what it is, is a is the cover. And that's a beautiful uh, prelim uh you know, like Jose, even in a prelim, crushes everything that he does. So I really like that piece. Um, also, the man, Adam Van, I don't know if you know who that is, Joe, but uh, yeah. he, he sent in the enabler, a.k.a. Roker the Joker, struck again. So here's my David Ammerman page from 1995's. Is it pronounced Azrael? I don't know. I don't know. Annual number one. It came with an overlay that adds additional flames to the middle piece of the piece. Um, I know he knows the word overlay because it was in the uh, eBay uh, sellers thing. Um, but all joking aside, I love stuff like that when they're like, oh, we need to add a little flame to it. There wasn't enough. Or I don't like either the artist or the editor says you know, there's something, just add a little bit more. And it's like, ah, instead of redrawing, I'm just going to put an overlay on it. And uh, he has it to go with it. And that's beautiful. Frame it up, put it on the wall next to your, you know, Batman, the Dark Knight Rises jersey from the Pittsburgh Steelers or the, the Gotham Knights game. He has one of those. Oh, boy. <laughs> He'll tell me I got it wrong. He'll yell at me in a text tomorrow. Yeah, I'm glad he yells at you and not me. Well, so lastly, but not leastly, well, second to lastly, but not leastly, before we get into TV and movie talk, uh, the next installment over at Shelf Dust's top 50 first comic book issues. Now, I always wait until we go on the show. I don't look at this beforehand just so I kind of get like a visceral reaction to some of these. Now, I'm not as intimately um, knowledgeable, knowledgeable of the Jack Kirby stuff. The uh, New Gods book uh, or the OMAC book. Mm-hmm. but And then, unfortunately, I've never read Giant Days either. 
But I don't know. I got no problems with the books that are chosen here. I have no problems either. The one should be way higher, Joe. Okay. It should be at number one, probably. And that's Justice League, the first issue, 1987. Uh, That one should be... That should be that's the greatest first issue in the history of creation. So it's a little low on the list, but otherwise, um, I'm fine with everything else on here. Um, maybe I never read the New God stuff or the Kirby DC stuff, and I'm, you know what? I I stand by that everybody who says they if everybody who said they loved the Kirby DC stuff back in the day, it all wouldn't have got canceled. So, so I'm just like, okay, that seems to be, it's Jack. We have to say, you know, we all love it, but I don't believe everybody who says they love it, loves it. And way more uh, people who say just, you know, never read it, but uh, the rest of this stuff, the why the last man uh, walking dead crushes it as a, you know, a number one. Um, But that's the way I look at this list. I didn't read, like you said, the stuff that you didn't read either. Right. Ultimate Spider-Man number one. I guess that's one of those things where they took the origin of Spider-Man instead of doing it in 12 pages, did it in five issues or six issues or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So I guess the first issue of that is fine. It it shouldn't be as high in the list. Runaway is a sneaky classic, and who would have thought Brian K. Vaughn would write something really good? Uh, (laughs) This was another one not on the same level as the reveal in Thunderbolts number one, but very close. Uh, A great number one. The only thing I think that would hold it back is it's the introduction of pretty much all new characters. If you remember, that was part of the tsunami line right. of Marvel books where they're trying to go for like that manga e all ages teen audience, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was this. It was Mystique. It was a Venom book that was a ripoff of John Carpenter's The Thing and a book called Sentinel, which was a ripoff of Iron Giant. Or, or a loving homage, a loving homage. To those That's books. right. And I remember, didn't Brian K. Vaughn do the Mystique book too? He did the Mystique book as well. And that one just kind of ended up being like a spy espionage book that ended up didn't really need Mystique. And I think Mystique being involved with it held it back more than propped it up more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Venom stuff had nothing to do with any of the Venom stuff, Eddie Brock or whomever. It was just essentially the... Th- if you've ever seen John Carpenter's The Thing, it was John Carpenter's The Thing instead of an alien from whatever. It was the Venom symbiote, which itself is an alien. But right, oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and on and on the Fantastic Four number one, I get it. It's a great you know first issue. My only draw on this is like Silver Age number ones like don't hold up to to modern audiences to read. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's a great, everything is there. The template is there for the Fantastic Four. So it works. But if I tried to give this book to somebody now, they'd look at it and be like, where's the rest? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, what, are you, do, a, what are you doing to me, old man? Yeah, where's the meat in this sandwich? You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, or where's the vegan substitute in this sandwich? I don't oh. know. But, you know, so that's the way I look at, like, when they when they do a 1960s book as a number one. You're like, yeah, it I get it, but doesn't hold up. I'd be hard-pressed to disagree with that statement. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because I'm a genius. Yeah. So, hey, before we get into movie and TV talk, let's open up some presents. Yeah, boy, howdy. You want to go first or me? Well, I figure we'll go at, like, the same time. Okay. So Todd gave me a giant box. Mm-hmm. It's very heavy. Yes, it is. Kid, just so you know, my kid wanted to open it before we started recording. Well, did you slap him? 
I didn't slap him, but I told him no. No, okay. He just wants to open up presents already. Like, it's, you know, close enough. Oh, I got you. You can hear me opening now, so. Right. So, ooh. It's a, it's a box that's wrapped in newsprint. Ooh. I don't need any more boxes in my house. What is this? How do I attack this? There's a flap on it somewhere. All right. There's oh my god! Somewhere. Ooh, I, hey, that's pretty fancy. Yeah, Ooh. I got a giant box with the smallest package that's ever been inside. Yeah, and that's wrapped. That was the rib that my wife decided because she wrapped things. She is so. Oh, hey. Yeah. If I had this, I could have opened my present with it. The irony is not lost. Um, it was. Did you get this from my Amazon uh, wish list? I did. Um, because I got a new, and I, it's a, uh, pen knife, which I, I love having for work and everything that I do. And it's a special one, which has three different blades. So I can do, I'm guessing. Yes. So I could do the things I need to do. All right, Joe. And now I have to go be the night prowler with this. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Uh, so what Todd got me was the first omnibus absolute apology not omnibus they're absolute editions of preacher mm-hmm. one of the best comic books and only a comic book no other media tackled the subject as far as i know um but yes this is one of my favorite comics of all time one of the first books uh that my wife and i bonded over uh you yeah. know when i was trying to get her into comic books this was uh wrapping up maybe at the time maybe Toward the end, and I had the trades, and you actually got me into this, and I devoured it. I loved it, and thank you very much, Todd. This is a very thoughtful gift. Glad you like it. Thank you very much. This is going to help me out a lot with work and other stuff. When you got to open those Cinnabon uh, frosting boxes, it's it, this is going to help. So thank you. I'm because one of the even though I may not listen all the time, one of the things that I've taken away from the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast is that everyone should have a knife on their person. Because you never know when you need, you may need it. I agree. Yeah. All joking aside, like you know, I, I, a knife has saved me. You know what I mean? Many times, like trying to trying to get stuff done. So, and I actually, because I never saw one, it like up close. This is one that I like. It's uh, online. I like the setup and everything. It's a little bigger than I thought it was, which is perfect. Like because the one I had that this replaced was a teeny tiny one, and I have these big, you know bumbling mitts and i'm like i need a bigger knife so perfect yep i'm glad you like it of course you like it you picked it out it was on your list yes you need to update your amazon list too that would help me out greatly listen enough of you people who don't know how to navigate a goddamn amazon list and yeah i swore it's getting to the end of the episode with my kids amazon list Mm. after his birthday all of my relatives came to me and said i can't figure out the amazon list I don't know what to get them. So I had to like reorganize everything. So everything was in groups like books are here. Lego sets are here. Pokemon are here. Video game are here. Board games are here. Cause it was just like all scattershot. Cause the way that I use my Amazon list is not, it's like, Oh, this is what I want people to buy me. It's more. So it's like, Ooh, I remember Like I heard this thing is coming out. Let me go see if it's on Amazon. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to put it on my Amazon list. So I remember that it exists. And a lot of times what I do is, this is an Amazon cheat or whatever it is. Uh, you put it in your cart, right? Mm-hmm. You're not buying something. If you're not buying anything immediately, 
But you just put it in your cart. You let it sit there in your cart. Don't buy it. Don't check out. Don't nothing. And if the price goes down on it, Amazon sends you an email saying, hey, this item in your cart, the price went down. Mm-hmm. So then, like, I'll sit there and I'll wait for the price to come down to a manageable level level for, for me to treat myself, and then I'll buy it. Right. Now, you know what I mean by update. All I mean is I just think there's some stuff. Well, you know, I could have found something on here, but I found what I like. I just think there's only, like, ten gifts on yours. And I was like, ah, I don't know. You know, either way. I, I'm, I'm a man of simple pleasures. You are. You are. I don't know how that got on there. I don't even have an Xbox One. That's what I'm saying. I, there's like stuff on here. I'm like, does he even have an Xbox One? No. So, so then if I bought you that on your on your Amazon list that I don't know how to use, Joe, <laughs> I like that. No, I, I think I think I was supposed to add that as a uh, as a, a switch. Uh, yeah, as a switch game. See, making fun of me. I don't know how to use it. You don't even know how to use your own Amazon list. No, I know how to do it. Right. So either way. Nice pens on there. I, got those pens. I did see those nice pens. And they were out of stock when I was looking for your gift. They're back oh. now. Time to stock up on Luke Harper action figures. I already had that <laughs> one. See? Yeah. Th- there you go. I-, I thought you had that figure. I do, but, you know, I could always use more. <sighs> You're killing me, Joe. When he well, becomes, I think when he becomes I think, the new Japan World Heavyweight Champion, I have a bunch of those figures. They're going to go up with the value. Well, the way I look at it is I'm good for two more years on your Christmas gifts. And then I need new stuff, so. There you go. All right. So this episode being ended up being longer than I thought it would be, but that's okay. <laughs> and you have to edit your cursing, so. No, nah, that's stated. That's okay. I can... I could say GD, I just can't say MF, you know? So now is the time for you to leave if you do not want spoilers for the second to last episode of The Mandalorian or The Mm -hmm. Rise of Skywalker. You have your warning. Thank you for listening to episode 482 of of Longbox Heroes. We'll see you all here next week. Have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and all that jazz. Now, Todd... Let's get into The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So, or as I'd like to title this, this episode is titled The Reckoning, or as I'd like to title it, And the Friends We Met Along the Way. <laughs> How do you say uh, Reckoning in French? That's all I need to know. But anyway. So, all the people that The Mandalorian has come across in the previous six episodes that are still alive or rebuilt in some way. Uh, are all back in this episode because Carl Weathers, AKA Apollo Creed comes mm-hmm. to Mandalorian and says, listen, I have a plan. You're going to keep on the run. We need to get rid of the, uh, you know, we need to get rid of Werner Herzog. <laughs> he didn't say that, but that's what he needs to do. Um, so the plan is you're going to come to me and uh, we're going to fake Giving the kid back to him. We're going to kill Werner Herzog. He's only got like four stormtroopers around him. This is going to get worse before it gets better. There's going to be more Imperials coming in. They're not going to let you rest. Let's do this. Mando was correct in not trusting Apollo Creed. So he goes <laughs> and he goes back to all of his friends that he's met through the previous six episodes for assistance. 
and they all help him to varying degrees of sec- success and living. Right. Though I am upset because he needs he, obviously he needs some some help with you know guns, so he gets the 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 rebel trooper that the female rebel trooper that he met on the the planet, and but he needs a babysitter, so he goes gets the Ugnot. Yes. And I'm like, well, why didn't he go to Tatooine and get the one who actually babysat baby? Right, Amy Sedaris. I thought he was going to go get Amy Sedaris. I honestly thought so, too. And then he was going to be like, I need repairs, and the Ugnut could could help him. So I was like, that was the one small problem that I had with the episode. I was like, oh, I would have liked to have seen her again. But uh, he went and he got, uh, uh, who's the, the actor who plays the Ugnot? Um, Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte's character, because he gets a name in this, finally. Um to, to go get and i was like ah oh, that was that that was cool and then i was sad because we i got game of thrones uh in that he gave it like a nice little speech and then they you know he ends up getting whacked trying to 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 get the baby back to the the razor crest before uh the the, the speeder bike guys get him and that was uh that was a sad little scene i was sad with that done well though shot really well right so before before we get to that though we have the part where uh, Mandalorian shows up. He's got his assist. He's got his folks with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Apollo Creed has some people with him, too. And they get, are they, now do they officially say that they're Minox or do we just assume that they're Minox? They never say, I think they maybe say what they were, but I don't think they were Minox. Right. So they're attacked by these creatures. Some people get taken away. Apollo Creed gets badly hurt. And Baby Yoda comes over and heals him. And after Baby Yoda heals him, uh, Apollo Creed shoots his other two dudes and says, my plan all along was to double cross you. And it's like, we all knew this. What mm-hmm. are you doing? Uh, but here's what we're going to do now. You know, obviously I know that the kid, uh, the baby can't go into these guys' hands. So we're going to go, we're going to do the infiltration thing. Uh, wh- and again, I forget how they pronounced what the Ogonaut's name was. Cooley? I think so. Coolio. Cooley, no, not Coolio. Lili, <laughs> Utini, the Ugnot. Right. Utini. So he tells him, once they see that there's way more Imperial troopers around, they give him the Iggy to go take the baby back to the ship. Mm-hmm. So now you have this tense situation of the Mandalorian and uh, the, the, the power trooper, Gina Carano, whatever her name in the show is. Mm-hmm. And Apollo Creed under siege by Werner Herzog and a bunch of stormtroopers. And then, like, the evil, the super-duper evil stormtroopers show up with, like, the mega firepower. And then there's, like, a big transport that comes. And you have that going on. And then you have the race of the Ugnot trying to get the baby back to the ship while two speeder uh, tr- bike troopers are hot on his tail. And they do a great job of setting up the shot. And, Todd, I have no problem in saying this to you. When they cut to that last shot and you just see Baby Yoda laying on the ground and the speeder bike trooper scoops him up and turns around and then you see the Ugnot all shot up and laid on the ground. I cried, man. That was a tough shot. That was a tough shot. I was like, now I got a tear in my eye. Woo. They they did a great job on that. I think it was way better than actually seeing him gunned down. It's more powerful because you have the whole man, man, uh, Mando going like, are you back? Are you back? Are you back at the razor crest? And then you just see, you know what I mean? You just see him laid out. And it's like, as I was watching that, like, cause I didn't know if he would get back to the ship or not. It was intense. It was so well shot. Like I said, just 
really great. Um, the only problem that I have with the o- the whole episode, and I call it uh, one of, uh, a Joe CD thing, um, is you know when they go to the Ugnot and he goes, "I'm I'm going, but I have to take my little my little lizards with me because I you know we're gonna ride them." Like boy, like uh, just t- being able to take species from one planet to the other is like there's no quarantine or nothing. We just land and just like the whole like all joking aside, the Simpsons episode with the frogs and the koalas. It's just like we could just destroy whole eco climates, and that's way too much thinking about a uh, about a uh, a fantasy in space story. So that's the one thing. My that's where right where my brain went. I was like. Wow, you can just take any species to any planet, no problem. Yes, it, now see, I didn't get too tripped up on that. I know, and we'll talk about Rise of Sky. So I, I thought Mandalorian was good. I, I, I hope everyone lives, and I hope everyone's okay, and I, I hope we get to see Mando's pretty face uh, mm-hmm. in the last episode. I hope we don't. Oh, you hope we don't. I honestly, are you joking? I hope they don't. No, do I want it. to see his pretty face. I hope they don't do it because I like the fact that this guy can act with a helmet on unless it's not him, unless it's just the voice, but I doubt that. Um, and he's one of the, he's a stickler who says like, you know what? I'll do it. I don't have to show my pretty face. I'm going to show my pretty face as Maxwell Lord in, as in wonder woman, 1984. So I'm good to go. <laughs> but we're, we're going to get into rise of Skywalker here as well. But I know in some of the trailers, there's a scene where there's a bunch of like horse like creatures that are running on a star destroyer. Mm-hmm. And I saw before I shut all you people down, <laughs> I saw people saying, like, how could those horses exist in that atmosphere? And I thought to myself, I'm like, it's been nine movies plus like two more with Solo and Rogue One. And now this is what's going to trip you up. And listen, man, I got a lot of OCD mental issues that pop up in my head. and We'll get into a couple of them here. But, like, that's the least of my worries. But everyone has their own special things. And I'm like, hey, man, I, I just say at this point, hey, man, whatever, it's Star Wars. And I do like that fact, like, that hang-up, because in Rogue One, they actually show a Star Destroyer hovering in the air above a city, like, only, like, a thousand feet above a city. So how did they not know that they were in, that they were in space and not in an atmosphere? You know what I mean? Yep. So, like, I'm like, that's one that wouldn't bug me. But I do have problems with rise of Skywalker. So, okay. So I liked rise of Skywalker a lot. Uh, I did cry maybe like one and a half times in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, is there problems? Yes. Do I have nitpicks? Absolutely. Uh, did they do a ton of fan service that they didn't really need to do? Yes, mm-hmm. but I'm a fan. So that w- that stuff was there for me. Because I'm a fan, so that stuff was for me, so I'm okay with that. If they did fan service to the movies I don't like, then I'd be like, no, this is no good fan service. I don't like it. Here's all the stuff you liked in the prequel, and so they put nothing in. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Okay, so uh, the base of the movie is um, we find out that the Emperor Emperor Palpatine has been behind behind it the whole time. So that's my really bad Mr. Plinkett. So Emperor Palpatine's been behind it the whole time. He's been manipulating poor Kylo Ren, impersonating all sorts of voices to trick him to do his bidding, to come to this point so that he could lead Rey to him since it's revealed that Rey is Palpatine's granddaughter. Mm -hmm. 
And Palpatine's grand scheme is going to bring Ray to him. Ray is going to strike him down where he's just like a withering husk attached to a machine. Strike him down. And then his soul, his midichlorians, his whatever are going to go into her. And then she is going to become the emperor. She is him. He is I. We are, you know, cuckoo, cuckoo. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on. People subplots. Uh, we need to find a thing to get the here. We need to find this. We got this thing. Hey, don't forget to bring that thing here. Uh, but I will say, and we'll talk about a whole bunch of other points. I knew we were in for a movie that I was going to enjoy where Kylo and Ray are doing the battle with the transport, right? Mm-hmm. They're trying to keep it. It's like, oh, I'm trying to pull it this way. No, I'm trying to pull it that way. I'm trying to pull it that way. And then she does the force lightning at it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, she's Palpatine's granddaughter. And I got chills. I still oh. like Star Wars. I, I like Star Wars, too. I'm just going to give you my quick overall of this. It was a movie that I saw. That's the way I look at it. Like, there was things that I liked about it in the in the end. But basically... It was okay. There was a lot of fan service, and I get it. But it was, I, I don't need to be surprised every second. But I went to see it with this with the summer you, and we're sitting there, and I'm like, all right, this is where this is where uh, Luke comes out as a force ghost. All right, this is where this happens. Me and him were going back and forth. We're like, man, every like that's Lando in the helmet because he that's the you know that's him doing the thing at Jabba's palace, and I'm like, just. I get fan service, but when I could walk through your whole movie and predict everything that's just about everything that's going to happen, I was bored that way. So I was like, yeah. And my other problem with it is when Georgie Lucas crushes you on every lightsaber battle you have in a movie, in your movie, maybe you should have had better lightsaber battles. Like, I just thought the Ray kylo fights and stuff were just so like boring like it was a lot of like manga-esque poses and stuff where you go back to like the first fight between darth maul qui-gon jinn and obi-wan like to me that's the best uh lightsaber battle in all of star wars um and just i don't know just like i said so in the end i was like i saw a movie with i had that i have a few problems with and a few things that i liked um very to me just a weak movie so, and, and again, I, I obviously enjoyed it a lot more than you did. I, I thought there was a little bit more um, depth to the lightsaber fights. I think the uh, Darth Maul lightsaber fight from Phantom Menace is bolstered by the music that plays during it. Mm-hmm. If you watch it silent with just the sound effects, it doesn't have that same oomph. It's the total package of things. Uh, my My real nitpicks about the movie where I felt bad that because so many people disliked her in Last Jedi, they essentially made Rose a background character. Oh, yeah, they buried Rose. They buried her, right? Um, they were creative at first, and I'm in my mind I'm pretending that they filmed this movie in shooting order or in script order as they got less and less creative with how they shot around the archival footage that they had of Carrie Fisher. That was, I'm with you on that because I was looking at that. Go, they did the best with what they had, but it seemed as though they did really good at the beginning of the movie and less mm. so as the movie went on. 
Yep. Um, though they did some really good effects. Like when she hugs Ray, yeah. that was way better than anything I thought it should have been. Yep. And um, they they worked. And I do think she would have had a bigger part in this movie. And that is one of my, this is one of my nitpicks and all that though, is so in the end, we find out that Leia has been a Jedi master the whole time, right? Yeah. Because she trains Ray. So, like, everybody who lost their mind in The Last Jedi, that she had Force powers, is like, oh, that they trained her. So I don't know if this is something that they threw in, like, at, like to explain that, or if it was always going to be. Because I feel like they didn't have an overarching plan for these three movies. With <laughs> Ab- Abrams on the, the bookends, and then uh, who's the guy who did the movie in the middle? But either way. Um, so it's like, okay, so they explain it. But then... The name the last movie, The Last Jedi, and Ray was the last Jedi, right? No, there was two. So when Luke dies, we're like, oh, we have the last Jedi, it's Ray. But the whole time, secretly in that movie, Princess Leia was a Jedi. It's like, I don't know, there's a lot of like I don't need everything explained, but sometimes I need like a little more thought goes into this. Like it was just very weird for me to find out that Ray had, uh, Leah had secretly trained under Luke for years, built the lightsaber that we never saw for the last three movies, two movies. I was like, wow, like, was this shoehorned in or was this part of the plan? I don't know. Mm, I, I feel this could have been like part of a loose plan, but not a real plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we all knew. So the, the the title of the previous film that everyone hates, The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. is misleading because you can call them the Sith, but they're just evil Jedi. No, once you're a Sith, you're no longer a Jedi. Ah. I know what you're saying, I, but I looked at it as... I disagree. Because I, right, but go ahead. Kylo Ren. The, the main crux that I got from this, and maybe because I enjoyed the movie, and maybe I'm trying to tie a little bit more into it. Uh, so Kylo Ren, Ben has good genes of Han Solo and Princess Leia, and he turned bad. Rey had evil genes of the most irredeemable character in movie history, the Emperor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they go, when they write the book on the greatest movie villains of all time, the Emperor needs to be number one. Okay. <laughs> because comic book movies, whatever they are, you know, I think it's it's him and Clarence Boddicker from RoboCop or one and two. From what? <laughs> Clarence Boddicker from RoboCop. Okay. Uh, Red from uh, uh, that seventy show. Yes. Because <laughs> they are just two people of pure evil with no redeeming qualities whatsoever, and the they only live to be evil and cackle. <laughs> <laughs> that's their only existence it's not like oh there was that moment where the emperor could have almost been saved no he was evil from the moment he appeared and he was evil until the moment he was disintegrated in an homage to raiders of the lost ark not to be confused with the other homage in this movie <laughs> to the goonies okay. let's not confuse either one of those right it's poetry so it rhymes but go ahead what... so because Ray is evil genes, Kylo Ren has good genes, Ray becoming good is a big deal, and Kylo becoming evil is a big deal. But the fact that after he sacrifices himself and uh, Ray saves him, 
and he kind of begins to turn his back on the Sith, the evil Jedi, the dark side, whatever you will. And then he has the vision of his father and Han mm-hmm. Solo appears to him. And at first I thought to himself, we were told earlier in the movie that the emperor has been doing all this stuff from behind the scenes since the very beginning. But no, this is the time where Ben turns to the good side. He gives in to his good side to show that the the light side of the force is more powerful than the dark side of the force. And then Ray, when confronted with the dark side of the force, she dipped in and had all the previous Jedi before her, even though she had no connection to them. They were able to empower her to defeat the ultimate evil in the Emperor and disintegrate him like the Nazis at the end of Return of the Jedi. Now, like I said, I do have some more problems with the movie, uh, even though I enjoyed it very much. But go ahead. But no, I I, I get you. Like I said, I don't want you to think I hate this movie, but there was just some things that I was just like, and and I understand they add, you know, force powers like as each movie goes. Like you're like, all right, so there's you know, levitate. There's force ghosts. There's, you know, then electricity by the the emperor. Then blah, blah, blah. But the one that that threw me was the one where we could just... And they end up, you know, they do it in uh, The Last Jedi. Is the whole, like, we could just Jedi teleport stuff now? Yeah. I was like, all right, that that power seems way too powerful, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like, like you could do anything with that. And I was kind of like, all right... Well, when he did the lightsaber to, she did the lightsaber to, 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 to Ben, not Kylo at that moment anymore. I was like, okay, so we could just do sleight of hand now and it's going to, you know, it get confused me. All right. I have to f- keep an eye on everything. But anyway, what were your nitpicks? Cause I my last two nitpicks were, uh, so in the original trilogy, the only trilogy that I'm aware of, uh, for the star Wars movies other than these most recent three, uh, so you have your ragtag group of people. You got your Han Solo, your Luke Skywalker, your Princess Leia, your Chewbacca, your R2-D2, your C-3PO, and then, you know, you, you, you introduce Lando Calrissian in the second and third movies, right? So this ragtag group of people with a ragtag group behind them somehow are able to take down the Empire. And how do they do it, Todd? They did it because they stuck together. Mm-hmm. They relied on each other and they worked together as a team. But the thing is, in those three movies, they never told us that. In this movie, <laughs> Poe Dameron wonders aloud, oh, I don't know how this ragtag group of people are going to overcome the New Order. And then Lando Calrissian says aloud, it's because, or, you know, he says to Lando Calrissian, how did you guys do it back in, you know, he didn't say those movies, but essentially that's what he says. He goes, how did you guys do it? And he goes, it's because we stuck together. No matter how bleak things were, we always had each other's back. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they explicitly stated it instead of showing it in this movie, and I'm like, yeah, that's a little lazy. Mm-hmm. That, and we had the cool, refreshing taste of Colt 45. <laughs> <laughs> now, I also want to commend uh, Lando Calrissian for getting a pay... Or Lando Calrissian, Billy Dee Williams, for getting a paycheck out of this movie without having to do a lot of walking. Oh, you know who got the big, you know who had the, the sweetest job, though, Joe? The, em- Car- the Emperor? No, Carrie Russell. Oh, yeah? Because Carrie Russell cashed a check. And I believe she was only there in that movie, 
like most of the early scene of her like in the helmet finding them was never her that was a body double oh my goodness so then when she opens up the helmet to talk to poe for a second that's her and then at the end when it's like hey finger guns i i survived you know what i mean like what kind of check did she cash to not even be on set most of the time Mm. that's my opinion she she wins star wars well no you know who really wins star wars who uh and i'm glad jj abrams likes to give his friends jobs Mm -hmm. uh you know whatever their talent levels are or are not Mm -hmm. but you know who uh really won because he got to eat all that catering Mm. that was uh, that greg grunberg guy the bearded uh fella from the uh he was in heroes Yes. Uh, because, listen, as a man of sizable carriage myself, boy, did he pack on the pounds between the last two movies. Oh, yes. They had to give him the extra wide uh, X-Wing. He's like, can I get a seatbelt extender for the X-Wing? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's terrible for him to say as a man of sizable carriage. However, uh, he did look like he was testing the tensile strength of his X-Wing fighter pilot vest. <laughs> That's right. Uh, those are supposed to, you know, those are supposed to be loose. But uh, he like that. And the one other thing that I loved is that they added. Okay, they added another sassy robot, which is the heart and soul of Star Wars. Is sassy robots. And then uh, I like the little creature that whatever it was that, oh, that who like, operated on our C three PO's head. Yes, because my favorite thing is right down to, like, the uh, sci-fi movie. And I don't mean a science fiction movie. I mean the Siffy movie on the channel sci-fi is where they're like, hey, you survived. She flies in. like, yeah. And he's like, and he just pops into screen on her lap like, hey, what about me? I burst out laughing as, like, that's, like, Hey, where's Poochie? Everybody's talking about Poochie. When's Poochie going to be on the screen again? Like, that's the character that was like, like, Abrams was like, all right, we'll put something in. You know what I mean? Like, and I'll bet you Abrams was pissed that Baby Yoda came out because that character would have been Baby Yoda if Baby Yoda wasn't Baby Yoda. I don't know. I think he was trying too hard. Like that was like that whatever that was was like like they should have just gave him a little cane and a top hat and he could have danced across the screen. And Michigan, I'm actually doing the Michigan the, J Frog of the Star Wars universe. Yes, the Michigan J Frog shuffle across the screen. And I'm doing it as as I'm sitting in the chair. Oh good. But yeah, so there was some interesting stuff. But like I said, I liked a lot of stuff. There was some great shots with like the Falcon bringing the 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 fleet in. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. But you know, in the end, uh, it was a it was an interesting end to the Palpatine saga. Yeah, because anybody wants to call it the Skywalker saga, you go ahead. I'm I'm call- you know who was in all those movies? Palpatine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, but there you go. That's my review of Star Wars. All right. I like Star Wars more than Todd, and mm-hmm. this proves it. That's right. Well, you always said I hate fun, so. That's true. All right. So it's been a long show. Thank everyone for bearing with us. And uh, Todd, thanks for bearing with me on this episode. Oh. Except these things always end up being longer than I would think. Right. And uh, yeah. So uh, I got nothing else. So closing out episode. 482 of 
Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.